Welcome to Unity of Fairfax, a positive path for spiritual living and spiritual center for education, practice, and service in Northern Virginia. We hope you find inspiration in this week's message. Hey, here's a question. Anybody ready for some good news? All right, let's affirm that together. I'm ready for some good news together. I am ready for some good news. Well, amen, brothers and sisters, you have come to the right place. And let's talk about news for just a minute. You know, that which we consider news that we, you know, hear about facts of today and all that really and truly are the exceptions. Because I believe, and I think it's true, the absolute vast, like utter vast majority of people really are truly loving and demonstrating kindness to one another and really following the rules and really doing the best they can to be the best people to create a really fantastic world for us all. And, you know, because that's the norm, because that's so commonplace, it doesn't make the news. It's like almost like we don't really see it anymore because it's the norm. We just expect that. So we put our attention on the things that are the anomalies. Well, they're very important, I must say. But I just bring this up not to be Pollyanna or to acknowledge that I have rose-colored glasses. I'm wearing contacts, after all. But to help us maintain some incredible balance when we are dealing with all of the facts of the day, let's just remember when we are dealing with the onslaught of 24-hour news that comes through our televisions, our computers, our phones, our watches, and even on our doorsteps in paper copy, like in my house, that's the exceptions list. Remember, the inherent goodness of people is the norm if we have the eyes to see it, the ears to hear it, and the heart to feel it. So back to my original question. Who's ready for some good news? I have some really good news. All right, so, uh, yeah, you got a few hands up. All right, that's enough. I, there's a quorum. So here's an interesting tidbit of etymology that falls into the category of good news, and who doesn't love etymology? I know I do. I'm a nerd. That's the study of words, by the way. So the word gospel comes from a Greek word meaning good messenger and first entered the English language as godspell. You might have heard of a musical by that name. And that meant good news and was later shortened to its present form, gospel. So now when we use the word gospel, it could mean any number of things. Maybe simply good news or the truth. You know, that's the gospel truth. Or simply the stories about the life and ministry of Jesus. All right, that being said, here's a que another question for you. What is the most important gospel? I do have an answer for you. My answer is the one you write, your story. The Gospels, as we find in the Bible, are recounting of meeting, encountering, or experiencing the divine. And all people, including you and me, are always meeting and encountering and experiencing the divine, whether we realize it or not. And I really believe everyone has empowering stories of, of this experience. 
such as maybe when we've been out in nature. Anybody been out in nature and just realized there is just something sacred and holy about that? Yeah, put that in your gospel. Or maybe in these intense moments of synchronicity where two things come together and you just think, how in the world could that have ever possibly happened? Anybody ever experienced some just synchronicity or kismet, or as we sometimes call it around here, divine appointments? Or maybe just in the energy space of another human being. Anybody ever meet somebody and you just think, there's something really special here? Maybe a teacher or a friend or even a stranger who just happened to say the right thing at the right time and there's no way in tarnation they could have known that's exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah, so... So these experiences are always happening to us. And, and when I think about my own life, the most powerful moment of meeting the divine was when Anthony and I were present at the birth of our goddaughter. It was like a, a powerful white light electrified the room in an experience of light and life that I had never experienced before. It was just beyond words. And anyone who knows me knows how important that story is and that experience has been and all the experiences we've had with her since, since then. I can't believe she's in her mid-20s. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> that was fast. So let's talk about words for a minute. Back to etymology. It's one of my favorite things. Not entomology. That's bugs. I don't care so much about bugs. So anyway, as for the words I use to reflect my experience with the divine, it's easier for, to remember the things I repeatedly say. And we all have things we repeatedly say, our stock lines. And, you know, your parents have them. People around you have them. One of mine is, each and every one of us is an individualized expression of the created magnificence of the universe. I love to repeat that because I believe it's inherently true about everyone. And there's a whole bunch of theology packaged into those few words. Or a phrase I borrowed from my ministerial partner in Florida when she said, do you tell God how big your problems are or do you tell your problems how big your God is? Hey, I like that. I got a big one on my side. So we should probably all commit that one to, to memory. Do you tell your problems do you tell your God how big your problems are, or do you tell your problems how big your God is? Or there's another one I use sometimes, a little kind of tongue-in-cheek in response to that saying, the more things change, the more they stay the same. My version is, the more things stay the same, the more things stay the same. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, let's get back to good news. Uh, the point is, small segments of words, little phrases, are much easier to remember than an entirely long, nuanced story. We'll get back to that moment. So in unity, the Bible is our central textbook, and we consider Jesus to be the great example, not the great exception, of one who lived a life in the understanding of the oneness and of humanity and divinity. The stories of his life highlight not only what was possible just for him, but ultimately what is possible for all of us. Or we sometimes say in unity that we like to consider ourselves the religion of Jesus rather than the religion about Jesus. That is, we emphasize his teaching and his manner of living. So what did he say or do? Or what was the spirit of what he said or did? 
One of the sayings attributed to him recorded in the Gospel of John, and this is from the message version, is, Believe me, I am in my Father, and the Father is in me. If you don't believe that, believe what you see, the works. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I on my way to the Father and giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. I love that. I love this version. It's like modern 20th century, 20th century English. So again, it's, it, this is old, uh, but the 20th century wasn't that long ago. You were there, all of you. So we've all done great things. I truly believe that. And I truly believe we are all doing great things. I mean, goodness gracious, just getting through our facts of the day. That's pretty awesome that we are all doing that. Everybody give yourself a pat on the back. And we will continue to do great things. But too often, though, we don't give ourselves credit, do we? Maybe we're busy comparing ourselves to somebody else. Well, don't do that. That's a waste of your energy. And there's a real big difference, I believe, between being arrogant or braggadocious and feeling genuine pride at your accomplishments, whatever you've done. And it's not just the big things. I realize when we talk about accomplishments, we think about plaques on the wall and, and all that sort of stuff and accolades and gold medals and that sort of thing. But sometimes we encounter the divine and have our biggest accomplishments in the worst of times. Those wins deserve every bit as much credit as the big ones. Because sometimes... Just getting out of bed is the big win. Anybody who's gone through depression or chemotherapy knows exactly what I'm talking about. Anybody who's gone through your own personal hell and somehow got up and kept going. You won't get a plaque for that or an award. But those are major accomplishments. Those are the greater things simply because you got back up. Now consider the events of what we call Holy Week as recorded in the Bible, and particularly the rather badly named Good Friday. As for Jesus, there was nothing particularly good about that Friday. And has any one of you ever had a Good Friday experience on your own, I mean, your own personal, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening, but it's happening. You know, there he was, uh, minding his own business, celebrating the Passover, and was arrested under false pretenses, abandoned by those he loved, put through a sham trial, physically abused, and finally crucified. And that's what's happened to him. Those are the, the occurrences, the actions. But for me, what really stands out in this story isn't so much what happened, but what he said, the words, as recorded in Luke, when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Whoa. I mean, if I had to pick a line that I think is the most powerful line in the entire Bible, Hebrew scriptures and Christian put together, it's that. That's huge. And I sometimes catch myself saying that when I watch the news, read the newspaper, see what's popping up on my social media feeds. It's like, good grief. 
what this line says to me, what it means to me, and maybe what it could mean to you, is that when, even in my own pain and even in my own humanity and my angst and anger and fear, when I know that in that moment I can't actually do the forgiveness work, they're saying, hey, I forgive you, we're all good, that I will still hold the space for forgiveness happening, even if I can't be a part of making it happen. You know, I can't bring myself to forgive the thing, but I can still forgive, uh, still hold the space for forgiveness to happen. For all parties, for myself, that my pain and angst will be relieved, relieved or healed, or for the other, the one who had the consciousness that did the awful thing, may they be healed too of that consciousness. Because forgiveness leads to freedom for all of us. The freedom to breathe, the freedom to love, the freedom to move on. It doesn't excuse what happened. It just says, I'm done, I'm moving on, and I pray you can too. That's enormous act of love, holding that space for somebody else. So, picking up from a moment ago, this example from the Good Friday, when that one-liner, the one-liner that says so much, is much easier for us to remember than a great, big, huge, long narrative. But if a one-liner is remembered, then we can create a great, big, huge, long narrative. And that's important in light of today's topic, the not-so-new guy in town, Thomas, and in particularly, the Gospel of Thomas. So let's look at a little history here. So in Nag Hammadi in Egypt in 1945, some Egyptian farmers went out looking for fertilizer. There's really a bad joke I could make right there, but I'm not going <laughs> to do that because it's Sunday morning and we're in a church. So anyway, they were unsuccessful at finding their fertilizer, but they did find an ancient earthenware jar containing 13 leather-bound papyrus books containing over 50 written works, including the text of the Gospel of Thomas that was written in the Coptic language. And although scholars knew about the Gospel of Thomas, since it was mentioned repeatedly in early Christian writings, there was no known copy of this text to exist until 1945. So Thomas is composed of 114 sayings, just one-liners or short paragraphs, so it is referred to as a sayings gospel. There are no long narrative stories, there's no nativity, there's no passion, just sayings. And it's believed to be contemporaneous with or even earlier than the canonical, that is the official gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Many of the same sayings are in Thomas that are found in other sources. So, one theory is that for the early Jesus movement, and just for us today, it was much easier to remember little short sayings of Jesus, especially since most of the people were illiterate and couldn't read and couldn't write. So they remembered these sayings and passed them on. And Jesus said, and Jesus said. And over time, as the early Jesus movement grew, the sayings were fleshed out with more detail and more narration that we know today. So public service announcement. 
If you want to know more, I'll be leading a survey course on Thomas starting on June 12th in two weeks in the Metaphysical Group at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. That's hybrid, so you can watch, and I'll be, we'll be in person, so you all can engage. Let's look at one of the sayings from Thomas. This is Logian, or saying, uh, number 113, and it might be familiar with you. His disciples said to him, when will the Father's imperial rule come? It will not come by watching for it. It will not be said, look here and look there. Rather, the Father's imperial kingdom rule is spread out on the earth, and people don't see it. And that's all. There was no follow-up narration, no explanation. And there's a similar version of the story given in the Gospel of Luke as well, if you want to look that up. Many people in Jesus' time had, and still some have today, this apocalyptic vision of the coming kingdom of God. It's going to come, and there's going to be this historical rule instilled. And, and that's what they thought was coming. But Jesus said, uh-uh. It's already here. Sorry, you can't see it. It's the sort of thing that kind of turns the conventional logic on its head. And that's really typical of the Jesus movement. Uh, we remember so much of what he said, or that it was remembered, because it did turn the conventional logic upside down. But was the kingdom already here? Was he on drugs? I mean, I had to ask. I mean, I mean, look at the world. We got the pandemic, it was the war of Ukraine, and mass shootings, and blah, 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 blah. And if you're familiar with history, you'll know that the time in which Jesus lived in Palestine was no picnic either. They had their own set of problems that were probably just as worrisome to them as ours are today. And yet he still said, it's right here. You just don't see it. All that being said, when I least expected it, and definitely when I was not looking for it, I had an awakened experience and knew exactly what he was talking about. And if I had to write a saying for my own personal sayings gospel, the gospel of Russell, there's no saint, just trust me on that one, <laughs> it would be this one-liner. He went to a high school choral concert and entered the kingdom of God. We went. So you may have seen Beth and Alicia walk out with Maddie. Uh, and Alicia is a freshman, a first-year student at South Lakes High School. And invited us to go to the spring choral concert. Wow, I'm getting choked up on this one. Uh, at our high school on Thursday, just Thursday this past week. It was the choral director's last concert. She had been in the school for 17 years. And as we watched, and I haven't gone to a high school concert probably since 1984 when I left high school, <laughs> I was just dumbstruck. We were both just like, wow, these kids are awesome. They're, they're different numbers, and they're different songs, and there were children with uh, high school students with special needs who were included, and they were wonderful. 
and the teacher was wonderful, and the musicians were wonderful, and they were all showering each other with praise and acknowledgement for their hard work and the effort that they had put into it that was so obvious, and they showered one another with affirmations, and especially the choral director after 17 years had past students come up on stage, and they were, it was just, it was the kingdom. God's imperial rule. It was fun. It was touching. It was energetic. It was inclusive. It was hopeful. We've been talking about it ever since. You know, I often go by South Lakes High School and just thought high school. right there in front of me and in front of, probably in front of every other high school. And what I realized, what Jesus was saying in that kingdom is that wherever people come together to love one another, to support one another, to praise one another, to lift up one another, to teach one another, to inspire one another, that's the kingdom. It's in that room behind the wall. It's in this room. It's in your home. It is everywhere. See, hi, Alicia, I just told the story. <laughs> I got permission first. It's all around us if we have the eyes to see it. But so often we, I, get enthralled with the facts and the exceptions I fail to see how beautiful this world really is and don't notice how people love one another and hold that sacred space for one another. Too often I realize I don't have the eyes to hear the kingdom, the ears, to, the eyes to hear it, the ears to, you know, don't use my senses. And here's the most important one. So much for the dramatic moment. You got to have the heart to feel it because sometimes your senses will not tell you exactly what's going on, but you will feel it in your heart and in your gut. Like with those veterans and those service people and law enforcement who are working for our good, the teachers creating sacred space wherever they go. And you and me. So I conclude by giving us all the homework, including myself, of recognizing and acknowledging the kingdom. Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. And you'll realize it is the norm and not the exception. And that with your energy and your consciousness and your thoughts and your prayers and your actions, you will make this more of a likely to be a reality for everyone. It's easy to do because we have that power within us already. Peace be with you. Namaste. Thank you for tuning into Unity of Fairfax podcast. You're welcome to join us live in Oakton, Virginia, every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. or View our live stream services from our website at unityoffairfax.org.
We appreciate your donations to support this podcast to make our message of positive, practical spirituality more accessible to all. See you next time.